Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to have a productive conversation from the vault with Marshall Goldsmith. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and we've got an episode from The Vault from just over a year ago, my conversation with Marshall Goldsmith. Now, he's somebody that I've been following ever since I got into productivity. The book Triggers, Creating Behavior That Lasts, Becoming the Person You Want to Be, was really formative for me and my work. And so when I had the chance to chat with him about his book, The Earned Life, I jumped at the opportunity. If you've missed this episode because it's one that was from a year ago, now's your chance to hear it because it's a it's a great conversation. I had a really great time and I know you'll enjoy it as well. So here is my conversation from May of 2022 with Marshall Goldsmith. Enjoy. Marshall, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the program today. Oh, very, very happy to be here. So I'm holding in my hands a, a book that seems really thin on my Kindle, but as I was going through it, it's not a, here's the interesting, the book is called The Earned Life. And as I was going through it, I'm like, I need to be in the right space to read this, the right mindset, the right, it was, you know, those books that you read and you pick up and you're like, oh, this is something that I, I can start to go through. And I've interviewed lots of people, had great conversations with lots of people. There's some books I can go through pretty quickly. And then there's others where I have to stop and I have to think and I have to go, how does this relate to me? And am I ready to proceed right now? And, and I am still going through the earned life as we have this conversation, but I have lots of, lots of questions to get to. But the biggest thing is, you know, I found you through the book triggers. Um, I'm a big believer in like triggers inside action. And, and, and as I went through the book, it gave me some new perspective on triggers. You've had a lot of books that have come out. Your body work is, is rather impressive. So I ask you why this book and why now? Well, I think why this book and why now? The why now part is largely a coincidence of my life. I ended up with the COVID and I ended up every weekend talking with 60 amazing people. And why this book? It's based on my experience of talking with them, the classic challenges and problems that they face. So as I was going through it, the first thing that stood out, normally you get exercises at the tail end. You gave an exercise right out of the gate. Why is it crucial for people to handle that introductory exercise that you offer at the pretty much at the onset of the book? Well, I want people to get thinking, and I think you said it very well yourself. I want people to start focusing on their lives, not an abstract theory. The problem is it's very easy to read books like this in an abstraction or talk about other people or think about their issues and problems and never really identify with yourself. 
To me, the goal of the book is to help you, the reader, have a little better life, not to deal with an abstract theory that you can sit there and use to critique the rest of the world. And one of the things that popped out to me during the reading of the actual introduction was the song, The Satisfied Mind, right? This idea of the satisfied mind and what, what it, how it landed with me as, again, as somebody who's, you know, kind of thinking about productivity from a different vantage point. I mean, I, I don't believe productivity is about doing as many things as possible. It's about, you know, what are your intentions and how are you going to pay attention to it? But when, when I hear the word satisfied and when I hear like the words that kind of feel moderate for lack of a better term, you know, like this idea of being satisfied seems less than happy or less than success. You know what I mean? Like some people don't satisfaction just doesn't seem enough. And I'd love for you to kind of expand upon maybe where those biases show up when you hear the words like I'm satisfied or, or I'm, I'm where I want to be. Why, why there may be some kind of challenge or struggle for people who are like, well, wait a minute, shouldn't I be shooting for more than just satisfaction? Well, I think your words are quite good. Shooting for more. The great Western disease is I'll be happy when Mm. the next achievement, the status, the motivation, whatever. And everything in the book, the one the one concept that hit the most resonant chord with the successful people I coach is exactly what you're referring to. These are hyper achievers. And one guy, Safi Bacall, said it. He said, and Safi has a, a PhD from Stanford in physics. He has written a book called Loon Shots, which is a bestseller. He's worth tens of millions of dollars. He started companies, blah, 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 blah. And he said, you know, he always believed that, and he talks like a scientist. He always believed that happiness was a dependent variable based upon achievement. And he finally realized that happiness and achievement are independent variables. You can achieve to achieve and be happy to be happy, but you're not going to be happy because you achieve. Right. Right. That makes total sense. And and, and I think uh, I've been reading a lot about this idea of flourishing and, and philosophical stuff. I, I think that one of the things that's emerged, especially maybe during this pandemic phase that we're at, is there's been a maybe a redefinition or a recalibration of what not necessarily what we're here for but what does like what's the end game like what is you know like and uh, you know you define the earned life in the book right you know the operative term you know um it's we're living an earned life when the choices risks and effort we make in each moment I want to talk about moment as well. Align with an overarching purpose in our lives, regardless of the eventual outcome. Right. Now, when we talk about the word moment, I, people tend to think, get, moments tend to be qualitative to me, right? Like they're, they're, moments are, you know, I mean, you could say a moment can happen in a split second, but it can also be, I mean, you could argue that COVID-19, the pandemic, is a moment in time, right? So I would love to hear your thoughts on like, when it comes to the earned life, the the idea of, qualitative stuff versus quantitative stuff. Like, cause I think we get into that trap where we're again, it's like, I need to do as many things as possible every day, live for today. Cause tomorrow isn't guaranteed and all that stuff. And there's a confusion there. And I want to know where the earned life kind of sits in there because I mean, I have a sense of it as I've gone through the book, but for those listening, where does that fit? Because I think a lot of people are thinking at the end of the day, well, how much did I achieve? And when, you know, when you're done, you're done. But what, what does that, how does the earned life fit into that equation? Uh, again, I'm glad you mentioned it because I'm a Buddhist. Mm. So the book is basically a Buddhist philosophy book. Mm-hmm. A religious Buddhist. I'm a, you know, I'm a metaphysical, I'm not a metaphysical Buddhist. I'm a philosophical psychology Buddhist. Mm-hmm. The essence of Buddhism is now. 
It's finding happiness and peace. Now, it's almost impossible to understand for Western people until you really think about it. The entire Western ethos is you will be happy when. Right. By the way, the great Western art form is always the same. I will predict you've seen this art form thousands of maybe hundreds of millions of times. It goes like this. There is a person. Oh, the person is sad. Oh, they spend money. Oh, they buy a product. Ooh, and they become happy. This is called a commercial. Have you ever seen one of those before? I've seen several. I tend to skip them now. <laughs> yeah. We have been hammered with this thought literally millions of times. So it's it's no wonder that we look for happiness out there because we've been told it is out there millions of times over and over and over and over and over and over again in our society. It's very hard to stop. Um, willpower comes up in the book, willpower and discipline. And again, I'm, I'm kind of jumping in different places because I want people to understand that this is a book that to me, as I was going through, it's like, this is a book you savor, not a book you, 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 you know, you, you race through, um, cause you can't, if you're going to, I think if you're going to absorb it, like, I mean, earn the term earn literally like that, that, that defines it in a lot of ways. So willpower comes up and I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to people who have talked about the idea of willpower doesn't work. I'm a big fan. You can't, you can't, I mean, you could see this right now, but I've got a picture of the green lantern right there. I'm a huge fan of willpower discipline, but so you talk about the, the, the idea of the building blocks of discipline and willpower and discipline fit into that, but you've, you've expanded upon it. And this is based on some of the work you did early in your, your career. So if willpower and discipline are part of the equation and I, and, and you talk about that, what are the other, what are the other five? And the fifth one I think is kind of surprising. I'd love for you to just touch on that a little bit. Well, first let's talk about willpower. Sure. To me, the traditional idea of willpower is grossly overrated. Right. I have someone call me on the phone every day. Now, why? My name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm too cowardly and undisciplined to do any of the things I teach by myself, and I need help. Mm-hmm. And it's great. So once you need help and you admit you need help, it's not a big deal. Right, right. Is it what we'll call a checklist manifesto? Yes, that till Gwande. Yep, yep, yep. If the nurse reads a series of simple questions to the doctor... Well, all right, the odds on unneeded infection plummet, the death rate's cut by two-thirds. Mm-hmm. Doctors don't do it. Why? Ego. According to Dr. Gwandi, more people have died because the egos of surgeons and died in the Vietnam War, the Afghan War, and the Iraqi War put together. Yeah. Right. Wow. We don't have that which we're not that smart. We forget things. You talk you so, actually talk about the agency of no choice in the book too, which I think is fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in like, you know, limit those choices because and I do that with time. I think it's important, but because that that boosts that. I mean, if this goes hand in hand with willpower, if you limit yourself to the amount of choices, decision fatigue doesn't play a, as big a role, and therefore willpower has a bit of a boost, right? Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of one password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. 
My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Right. Exactly. So to me, I talk about what do they need to get anything done? I think that there's six you're referring to, so correct me if there's a different six. Mm. But first, it's motivation. But motivation isn't unmotivated as a human being. Yeah. It's motivated to do what? And it's not motivated to get the outcome. It's are you motivated to do what's required to get the outcome? Right. And we're all motivated to be in shape. And then you're motivated to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Everybody's motivated to look good. Look, that doesn't mean you're going to do the work mm-hmm. that's required. And then the second one is the ability. You have the skills to do it. And everybody doesn't have the skills to do everything. I certainly don't. The third one is, do you know what to do and how to do it? Do you have an understanding of what to do and how to do it? Then do you believe you can do it? Do you have the confidence that you can do it? And then finally, two other things, what's the support that's needed? And is there a market for it? Mm-hmm. A lot of the, well, let me give you the epitome of the useless self-help book. Okay. would be a book called The Secret. Do you know that book, The Secret? Oh, yes. That is one of the most ridiculous books ever written. It's based on the assumption that if I envision it, it will happen. Now, I have a degree in mathematics. This is a classic case study of something called survivor bias. Jim had cancer. He envisioned it one way, and it did. That was true. And Mary wanted to be a movie star, and she envisioned, and she is. And and John wanted to be the basketball champion. He envisioned, and it it happened. What they didn't interview, they didn't interview the thousand waitresses in Hollywood who also envisioned being movie stars. They didn't envision that they didn't interview the dead people and they didn't interview all the basketball teams that lost. They had exactly the same wishes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see that all the time with social media nowadays. You see like, uh, this is where they are and you don't see the stuff in the middle and you certainly don't hear about the ones that did that didn't that just envisioned it and it didn't happen. Right. So yeah, no, it's. uh, it's So in order to achieve anything, one of the things we don't count on is there's got to be a market for it. Mm-hmm. If there's no market, well, you can be the greatest whatever in the world, and you're probably not. Gonna, I live in I lived in L.A. for many years. I live in Nashville now, and you know, in Nashville, what percent of all the waitresses are going to be country stars? <laughs> How I'm many of them percentage that want to be though is I think is higher. <laughs> well, you're right. You're right. It, it's well, you know, well, that's nice. There's just no market. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a matter of talent. You can have all the talent in the world. You know, there's one position. I, it's hard today. I, let, let me give you an example. Sure. I have a company from UCLA. Today, to get in as a freshman at UCLA, they had 165,000 applicants to the freshman class. Now, there's no way in hell I would get in to UCLA today as a freshman. Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. But it, I'm not dumber. 
the market's going. Yeah. There's the market. And unless you're the second coming of God, you're not going to get in. So you have to look at all these factors to look at what are the odds on any kind of success occurring. And it's tough. Yep. And what's, what's, it's funny as we are talking about this and you go a little off script here, but I actually, uh, we're about to travel to Toronto for a vacation, my family and I, and I, I, I have a couple of free movies that I could, I could purchase. And one of the movies I purchased was American underdog. I don't know if you know what that movie is, but it's the story of Kurt Warner, the NFL quarterback that went to the, right. But it's the story of how he was like, he, he went for his dream, went for his dream. No one wanted him. Right. Because of he had all these factors that didn't didn't elicit like this is what an NFL quarterback would look like. But he kept right. pushing and pushing. Then he ended up. I mean, you've heard the stories of him bagging groceries. Then he got he ended up playing for the Arena League. And they're like, he's like, well, I don't know. And they're like, look, look, you know, there's that's the market. Like, that's where you can be a quarterback. And by right. doing that and embracing that, all of a sudden he got noticed by the St. Louis Rams, went on to play for them. And now he's a football NFL hall of famer. Right. So that, I think the willpower part and the discipline part kept him available to take advantage of those opportunities to live a version of what his dream was. Cause no one, no one gets the dream exactly or the life exactly the way that they envisioned it. Right. There's no, I mean, we've seen that famous photo of like what people think success looks like and what it actually looks like with the, the squiggly lines and stuff like that. So, um, I want to, I want to touch base on before we wrap up, the the uh, the life plan review, right? The, yeah. the, because uh, as someone who's studied productivity for quite some time, you, I mean, David Allen's weekly review. We hear a lot about this. I yes, I saw David Allen two days ago. Really? Yeah, he's a good friend. Yes, David. David and I had. Amsterdam. He flew in from Amsterdam mm-hmm. two days ago. We a friend of ours died, and oh. he had a world thing for him. And so I saw David. David is a good friend. Saw him two days ago. Yeah, David and I have had a few conversations over the years. I wrote for the GTD Times for a while. Actually, one of my first, when I used to be a productivity parody guy, when I used to do like a Stephen Colbert-esque take on it, he was one of the first people that I interviewed. And through that interview, his team, back when GTD was like, you know, housed in Ohio and did all that stuff, they wanted me to write for the GTD Times. So if it wasn't for David Allen, we wouldn't be talking today. Um, David's a great guy. And I mean, I know he moved to Amsterdam several years ago. But the, the weekly review is... I think for, and for a lot of people, one of the toughest things for people to do in the getting things done methodology, mainly because it, there's a lot of attention and time and frankly, discipline and willpower to sit and go, I need to look at all this stuff. So my question, when it comes to, we're not, we're just talking about a weekly review. You're, we're looking at the life plan review now and people like, Oh, like again, that idea of, Oh my gosh, this seems so big. Number one, can we distill it so that it's maybe not so, um, ominous to people, but also why it's so important that people do that. Well, the people in the life plan review that I work with are, and I can mention their names. I mean, like Pau Gasol, the basketball star, yep. Curtis Martin, the football star, Telly, the Broadway star, head, head of the Olympic committee, head of the World Bank, all these amazing people. Every week they have accountability without judgment. That's what I love about the life plan review. Every week they go through their lives and I say, okay, here's my scores. Here's what I did well. Here's what I screwed up. And we practice something called feed forward. They ask for ideas from everybody every week. Uh, it's it's somewhat counterintuitive. You don't think people like this would be vulnerable enough to do it. But they love it for a couple of reasons. One, they have no one to talk to. Mm. Social media, cancel culture. They don't. They have zero people to talk to today. Right. 
be in an environment where you can talk to anybody without being crucified and act like, by the way, one person said for an hour a week, I get to act like a human being. <laughs> That's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because act like humans most they have to act like they're i don't know robots or something so it's it's a really amazing process and i learned it from alan malali who developed what he called a business plan review which is you know ridiculously successful system that turned around the ford motor company and so i just took that application that he used for business and i applied it to human beings in our lives interesting interesting because i think a lot of people get caught up in the in the short term, you know, they, they yeah. look at that, they either look at the day or the week, but then they skip the, at, or they're like five years, 10 years, but they're not thinking about, and I mean, I know what's interesting is that the, the way that you've framed this book is you've got it in two parts too, right? Like first choose and then, you know, kind of take action. So you got to get in the right mindset. I'm assuming, and I mean, I think it's rather probably probable that you need to be in the right mindset to do the life plan review and do all of the stuff that we're talking about. The mindset is such a huge factor in that, right? Well, and it's hard because it's easier not to, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easier not to, it's easier not to stand up in front of people week after week and look in the mirror. I mean, I've been doing this thing, this daily accountability thing for 25 years. Right. Yeah. And, And I can tell you, I can teach people how to do this in five minutes. And they'll get better at almost anything. And it sounds too good to be true. Half the people quit in two weeks. Mm-hmm. They don't it, quit because it doesn't work. They quit because it does work. It's hard. Well, it's hard. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, and I can actually attest to some experience of, with this to a degree, because literally when we're done this call today, I'm jumping on my mastermind call. We have a weekly mastermind with people that are kind of in my arena, right? Like people that are all, and we, and we just finished, as we're recording this, two weeks ago, we actually met in person. We went on a retreat together. It was like three days. We could have used another day because we all we all want to have a bit of a processing time for ourselves. But number one, trust. Number two, vulnerability. We were like hot seated ourselves and we talked. And the thing is, it's it is there is fear. Even if you're really close with those people, there's fear because but once you go the other side of that fear, right? The other side of like when I was done, I was like, wow. If I that it was it was not just okay, it was um, clarifying, it heightened my awareness. It made, I mean, they called me out on some stuff, which I think is a very important, but they didn't do it in a way that was malicious. There was some kindness, but it was, there was compassion behind it. Right. And what was interesting is we did this retreat in Milwaukee. I don't know if you ever flown in or out of the Milwaukee airport at all, but there is a place outside of the security area. So you go through security and you know, when you put all your stuff back in your bag, you put your shoes on all that stuff. It's the only airport that I've ever seen. And and they actually, it's a point of pride for them where it says recombobulation area, (laughs) which is, which is hilarious because you've gone through security. So the last thing you think they would do would be discombobulating you because the term of like, you're puzzled, perplexed. It's like, you know, you'd think security would make you feel safer, but so it's an interesting definition. Then you go through that area. And as I'm walking to my gate, there's a t-shirt stand like you'd see in most airports. And one of the t-shirts is recombobulate. And it's like the definition. Number one is to put back in working order to, um, you know, to, to, uh, it's basically some stuff that you'd think a retreat would do for you, which I think is great. And then the third definition is the area outside of the Milwaukee security after you've gone through TSA. And I think that as I was going through this book and not only as, you know, when I went on that retreat, this is the timing of reading this book, the earned life after going on this retreat, after being vulnerable, after knowing that 
I feel like being recombobulated is exactly what I think that this book can do. Uh, as I, you know, and and again, and not just not just reading the book, but taking action with the steps that are inside of it. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts as someone who's picking up this book as we wrap up. And they're like, I want to, Mike, you've said that this is a deep read. And it is to me. Um, What's one action that someone can take, you know, when they read this book or even just after listening to this podcast today, besides picking up the book, that will help them start to um, realize an earned life? Three things. First is one that has three components. You need some aspiration in life. Why am I doing this? A larger purpose that doesn't have a finish line. Two, your achievement needs to be connected to that aspiration. If it's not, why are you doing it? And three, and this is, you need to enjoy the process. And the people that I work with, most of humans are fixated on the process. They just go through life, live day to day, play video game, do what, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're not bad. That's just life for most humans. Some people are lost up in their heads with, you know, dreams and all that. They don't do anything. The people I coach, and most people read this book, they're lost in achievement. They're lost in the achievement of goals. And it's a fool's game. Because for two reasons. One, you don't control the outcome of anything today. The outcome is impacted by thousands of variables, some of which you may control, some you may not. But two, what if you do achieve something? I mean, how much good does that do you? How long does that last? About five minutes, and then you got to choose something else. Albert Burles endorsed the book. He's the CEO of Pfizer. I said, Albert, how was your year? <laughs> Pretty good. Came up with this COVID thing, vaccine, saved a few billion lives. That's kind of good. And a new pill. That's good. Stock all-time high. CEO of the year, blah, blah, blah. I said, what's your challenge? He said, big one, next year. Mm-hmm. Next year. If his value as a human being is he has to beat last year, he might as well kill himself. It's over. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, that, that, I think that that's the thing, right? People, hmm, yeah, yeah, that's really, that's a really good point. And, and, and I, I've noticed that you dwell, like, you know, you finish writing. I mean, you've just finished writing a book. You're going through a marketing game. I mean, you're, when that's done, like the book's done, you're like, okay, now what? Right. <laughs> By the way, I've done three New York Times bestsellers, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going for four. Yeah. Well, that, that's all you can do. It's like, I'm what, what after I do four? Yeah. Well, what's oh, the, one final thing in the book? Yeah. One final thing. Let yeah. me give you the one story in the book. Sure. Ever. The marshmallow story. Mm-hmm. I love the marshmallow story. So, you know, the research about marshmallows, you give the kid a marshmallow. Kid eats the marshmallow. I say, oh, okay, kid, you eat one, you get one. But if you wait, oh, two, two marshmallows. And they, they, the point of the research is delayed gratification is good. Achievement is good. If you delay gratification, it's wonderful. If you don't, and allegedly all the people, the kiddies that waited for two marshmallows, all have PhDs from Harvard and the ones that ate one are all drug addicts. So they exaggerated probably a little bit, but that's about it. But what they didn't do in the research is they didn't take the kid that waited and say, you know, kid, wait some more. Three, wait some more. Four, wait some more. A thousand. Where do you end up? You end up with an old man looking to die in a room surrounded by marshmallows. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And then you and you hate the marshmallows by that point in time. You need something different. Right. Um, Marshmallows. And and Jack Welch almost died. Famous GE guy, Jack Welch. Mm -hmm. Buddy is his book agent. So he said, what'd you learn about life, Jack, when you almost died? You know what he said? Why am I drinking the cheap wine? It's <laughs> fair. Wine cellar filled with expensive wine. Every night he's drinking cheap wine. <laughs> he almost died. You know, he said, I'm an idiot. What am I doing? 
<laughs> Sometimes in life, you got to eat the marshmallow. Well, and, and you know, it's it's funny. The other thing that I noticed, and, and this is an interesting thing I, I'd like to wrap up with you on, is that we live in a world that loves one side or the other, black and white. Like, I want clear certainty, right? Like, I mean, and we've heard that, you know, the, we need certainty and uncertainty. We know this. Humans do need both. But we've lived in such a world that has so much un- has had so much uncertainty for a long time. You know what I mean? It's and by the way, I, I'm not I'm not um, uh, I'm not saying that the world has never had that uncertainty. I think we're just learn we're just seeing it more because there's a lot more broadcast. But it's funny, even in Canada, and we've just had like a lot of unrest in Canada about certain things. It's it's either you're you're loud on one side of the spectrum, or you're loud on the but the middle is never sexy, right? The middle is never. I mean, most of us tend to live in the gray, though, right? Like, we do. Like, that's where most of life is spent. You, we can lean one way or the other or things like that. But I think what ha- what's problematic is when we get stuck in either the, the far one way, the far the other way, politically, whatever you want to talk about. But also, if you stay dead set, if you stay stuck in the middle, right? And I think that when I was going through this book, I'm like, okay, I know that I live – I, I'm a fairly moderate person in general. That makes a lot of things happen, right? But I think that having that understanding of where I want to position and where I want to go and having that clarity and that awareness allows, I mean, what's that, what's that phrase? Um, it's uh, clarity affords focus, right? And, and ultimately, when you go in with the right mindset, and you said choose your life, and then, you know, then the actions that you take, you ha- the clarity has to come first, the awareness, right. all that stuff has to come first because otherwise the other things show up. Fear, overwhelm, um, right. imposter syndrome. I, I struggle with validation stuff. I was just talking to my – that's one of the things that came up in the retreat, the idea of I need validation from others. Well, how do you get validation from others? Constantly putting things out there. You get a little dopamine. Little, I, I'm eating little mini marshmallows all the time instead of like let's work on a book and not show it to people. And then when it's ready, there it is. And I know damn well that when that book is done – all right, on to the next, like that, that rush will last for only a certain period of time. But to me, it's, it's just, I think anyone who, who needs, I think everyone needs to read this book. I think that the, the fact that it's designed for, like you're talking about what the people who dwell in achievement, I think the great thing about achievement is achievement is subjective too, right? You even talk about this in the book. What's success look like? What's a satisfied mind look like? It's different for every single person. My, my best man at my wedding is still a forklift at, driver at Costco working 2 a.m. to 11 a.m., comes home, hangs out with his family, plays online poker, and guess what? He loves his life. And that's great. That's great. And so that's that's my point. Is there's a lot of there's a lot of places to play with this. And when you look at when you start to go through your book, I think you're you're in a great place. So Marshall, I want to thank you for taking the time today. Um, any any last things you want to share? Where can people pick up the book and where can people keep up with you? Well, I, the book is going to be available hopefully pretty much everywhere. I'm Marshall. If you want to send me an email, Marshall at MarshallWillSmith.com or www.MarshallWillSmith oh, is my website. So very easy. Marshall has two L's. It's pretty easy to find me. Thanks again, Marshall, for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today to this episode from The Vault. We'll be back with a shiny new episode next week. And if you don't want to miss it, the best thing you can do is subscribe to the podcast. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, 
wherever you're listening to it, and that way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. And also can search through the archives quickly, easily, simply. Three of my favorite words and favorite things to do when it comes to doing anything. Um, by the way, the other way you could support the show, other than subscribing, is by supporting our sponsors. You likely heard some of them today. In fact, I know you did. And they are featured over at productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors. When you check out the sponsors, let them know that I sent you. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, encouraging you to check out the show notes at productivityist.com slash podcast 478, but also reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.